0: Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to Field & Foley episode 10. Our guest today is Katrin Amsler, a Danish musician, composer, producer and sound artist. With an impressive background in interactive audio, sound design and composition for films, commercials, video games and more, Katrin's talent and versatility shine through in her work. She has contributed to renowned projects like Control and Wolfenstein The New Colossus and is currently working as a sound designer on the highly anticipated project 007. With a passion for exploring the textures and structures of sound, Katrin's compositions and soundscapes capture the essence of her diverse musical influences. So hello, Katrin, and thanks for taking the time. Hello. What a nice intro. Is that really me? <laughs> I, hope, I hope I got everything right. Um, yeah, I was really impressed with your, with your uh, work so far. And I've been checking into your music the last couple of days. And um, yeah, one thing that <laughs> that instantly stood out to me was um, your vast collection of self-made instruments so <laughs> yeah. i really like to know what started your interest in building your own instruments
1: i think it um that's interesting because my own instruments are something that a lot of people think are super interesting but actually when i started mm. out doing them it was it was just something i did for myself mm. because um I think the first one I made was when I was on uh, pregnant with my first uh, child, uh, my uh, oldest oldest daughter, uh, and I was like, I'm uh, walking around, like what, I'm, what I, I needed something to do. So so I started I started building, building um, just just experimenting with with building stuff, and found it super funny. Yeah, I think that was that was the first the first one I made. And I I'm, I mean, when I was growing up as a kid, I, my my main dream was to become an inventor. <laughs> that was that was the job that I thought I, I would I would like to have because I was always like uh, building stuff out of um, different things. I grew up in the countryside, so that I would just find uh, different. Uh, materials and stuff and and build from that so i guess it's it comes from my childhood as as an uh, inventor
0: (laughs) that's that's awesome i uh, instantly feel connected to you because that's also what i said to my mom um, but like I think eight years old or something she asked me what ah, I wanted to do and yeah. I said I want to be an inventor. And that's funny. Yeah, because you it, it it opens up so many possibilities you can invent anything so.
1: Yeah it's, it's a not, great job yeah. you know. <laughs> yeah
0: <laughs> and it's also I feel like um, it's the, the first like real thought I had about me not being one thing like not being just this one person that does just making chairs or yeah I don't know working in an office for exact this purpose, but um yeah, this interest in exploring different things and always exploring different things right yeah yeah, so um nowadays, when you build an instrument, a new one, um, do you have like a goal in mind when you build the instrument or do you just like see what kind of sounds you get from experimentation and then think like, oh, that's awesome, I can use that for x y
1: Hold on, my cat is being. I just have to.
0: <laughs> I'm sorry. Cat eruption. Not a problem. Yes.
1: Two seconds. It's like whenever there's a door locked, he's he's. Uh, yeah. He's being noisy. <laughs>
0: they always have to be at the yeah. exact door that's locked, of course.
1: <laughs> yeah. When I when I the instruments. Actually, I I'm really bad at working um, after a plan. Mm-hmm. So if I realized that uh, um, both with my music and and with the instruments I built that if I have a gold or idea that I'm gonna make it like this then it's bound to fail because it's never it's always um, mm-hmm. it's never kind of going in the in a different direction that I that I had in mind so yeah. I kind of learned to embrace that um so when i build i i have no idea what it's going to end up with i kind of just slowly connect different things and try to put them together and ask myself the question okay this is what it looks like now what what if i what would happen if i do this and then it turns into to different weird weird things and um and i i think that's i like I really like working intuitively um, because that's when the best results uh, come up for me at least. And that's, I think that's how I approach both my music and also the instruments I build. Try to follow what it wants to become, I guess.
0: Yeah, I can definitely relate to that, um, especially with that having a plan and then not turning it out. Um, And I think, yeah, we also talked on this podcast, uh, I think a couple of times already about um, going with the flow and if something goes wrong, just roll with it and see where it leads you. Yeah. Because that's, yeah, that's the best advice, I think, um, especially for artistic um, jobs (laughs) or artistic endeavors, yeah.
1: Yeah, exactly. And and the problem with having a plan is that you can only plan what's already in your mind. Mm -hmm. So that's not opening any doors so if you don't have a plan and you make mistakes that that will sometimes take you in directions you weren't thinking of um so that's why i like uh, so much about when i when i do things and make um make things then i try as much as i can not to think about the result because when And the minute I think about a result, it's, it's, um, it's limited my choices, I think. Yeah. But it's it's difficult.
0: Yeah, of course. I mean, at some point you you have to like get something done, something specific. So yeah, that's where it gets interesting. But (laughs) yeah, but I think mm, that's also a good, um, a good point to start with, um, the whole sound design, um, stuff. So. Um, one question I always like to ask is, um, why did you record your first sound and what was it? So, like your start with recording especially.
1: Yeah, I think there are several uh, uh, different um, situations that I remember. Uh, one of them was, I was working in um, in a restaurant outside New York, um, I think in the end of the 90s or something. And uh, on my free weekends, I would go into New York, into the city. And there was one situation where I remember taking a cab and finding a dictaphone in the back seat.
0: Hmm.
1: And I think it must have belonged to a psychiatrist because I listened a little bit to it and there was a a quite deep conversation on the tape. And since I'm super curious, (laughs) I I struggled with that because... uh, it was just too private for me to listen to, but I was also curious. So <laughs> yeah. I had the idea that I have to record something over this tape as soon as possible, otherwise I'll, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to listen to their conversation. So I went out and just recorded random stuff in the city uh, and also in the island where I worked. Uh, so I, I deleted the tape um, or what's, what was on the tape uh, pretty fast. And that was kind of the first time. Um, and then I also remember uh, being a musician. Um, I I remember playing a, a outdoors concert in Sweden, and uh, during the concert there were suddenly like three seagulls that were circling around in mm. uh, for quite a long time, and they just make the most spectacular sounds. And I remember uh, how I just totally lost focus from what I was supposed to do. I was, I mean, I was playing a concert for people <laughs> and just sat listening to them. And the seagulls, I didn't record them, but I kind of recorded them in my system. Mm. And there was a... Yeah, I just remember that one. And I think... But the first time I recorded something with a handheld... Um that was in here in Denmark, in there's a city near the harbour, and there was a bridge um, that just had the most wonderful creeks and they it had like uh pipes underneath that were holding the, the wood together. And then I managed to put the mic into one of the pipes and the wind blew through the pipes like an organ. Mm. Kind of so it was a combination with those weird organ sounds and the the creaks from the wood, and I would just listen to that. I was sat there for hours, I think that was the first time where where I was like i i need to I need to do this like all the time
0: that's yeah, that sounds amazing um that's mm. that's also something that I quickly learned um because in the beginning I was always. Uh, a bit, uh, yeah, disappointed when I went out and then it was very windy mm. and I didn't have a good windscreen yet and just like a normal recorder. But I quickly learned that um, especially like pipes or other surfaces that resonate in the wind um, are so much fun to record. And yeah. then you get this very unique thing because it's like this place, just like you said, like this bridge sounds like just this bridge. And um, yeah, you can get sounds that are very unique to that time and place. Yeah, um, that's amazing. Yeah. Um so yeah then you you decided to um do more of that and um yeah how did that evolve then you you just decided to just do more recording and use that in in your music
1: Yeah I think it I've used it in in my music just because I felt that it it had a, a place there it was it was uh, I was I think uh, When I'm with my music, I was lagging sometimes elements with structure and Mm. things that were unpredictable uh, because the piano is, I'm um, originally educated as a piano player um, and the piano is so predictable Mm. and it has such a long history and there are so many people playing the piano. So it was kind of I couldn't find the, you know, the, the keys, you know, the tones, you know, that what happens when you press. It's, it's a, it wasn't surprising me, which was mm. annoying. <laughs> and I think that's why I started adding recorded sounds to my music because it had this element of, it surprised me. And it took away the focus from me a little bit. If you are a musician and a performer, the focus is very much on you. But I, what I realized when I recorded stuff and added that to my music, it took away the focus from me and put more focus on what I think is important, which is the music and the sounds. And I liked that transition from going away from being a performer and putting the focus on the music instead.
0: Yeah, yeah, I can understand that. Um, maybe connecting to that question, because I've listened to your album, uh, Las La Faria, if mm-hmm. I pronounced it correctly. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I, I really enjoyed it. I, I, so far, I only listened to it once, but I feel like I'm going to have to listen to it a couple more times to... Like really get everything in because there's so much, so much stuff in there and so much ideas, so many ideas and, and so many twists and turns. Yeah. So I'd really wanted to ask you why did you want to create it? What what drove you to do like this album and this kind of album?
1: Yeah, the, this is a bit of a special album because Las La Lafaria is an orchestra that my um, uh, mom and dad used to play in. Uh, my dad is from uh, Switzerland and they have this um, genre called google music that they play during um, carnivals and it's basically like big orchestra with people playing um horns mm-hmm. and um, and and drums and some people are were, were trained players but other people never played an instrument before and they would just play primarily folk songs uh, really loud in unison <laughs> and go from bar to bar, go down with a with a 20, 30 people, big uh, orchestra and play until they would give them a free beer <laughs> so that's the history of Las Lafaria Faria and they made a one record and um I remember that record. I was listening to that a lot as a kid. And it was uh, just music I'd never heard before. I mean, we had the Beatles and all these kind of records, but then we had this Las La Faria record and I would listen to it and just think, wow, this is, this is so powerful. It was like listening. It was as if, you know, um, American football, if that was audio. That was, that was what I remember that it sounded like. And I just remember thinking of how nice it was to give all this focus to stuff that was not perfect. Mm. And for Les Lafari, I wanted to kind of transform that into a record where I I would put instruments that are not popular, like a, a midi flute or a kazoo or... Uh, Things like that, and just put them on a pedestal and try to make an album where I would um, give attention to 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 sounds and instruments that are not like a nice concerto violin or something. So that was the idea with that with that record, kind of. and I'm just like I've, I' haven't listened to it for a few years, and then. Recently, I listened back to it, and I was just surprised of how diverse it is. It's it's like all over the place, <laughs> which <laughs> yeah. is still kind of funny.
0: Yeah, absolutely. That's also. I mean, I also read up on the history, so that's why I asked that because I wanted to share it with with the listeners. Mm. And also, um, what really stuck out to me, and I'm, I'm going to quote a bit here, was um, that you talked about this being a manifestation of the power of imperfection. And yeah. And an illumination of respect shown to things that might at first seem unimportant or silly, but giving them attention become important and genuine. And that's something that really resonated with me because, yeah, working in sound, um, I also started wanting to make music initially and I never learned any instrument or anything. And I never could get into this kind of learning the theory and learning anything about it or learning an instrument either. But, um, yeah, then I started doing... Like a, a twelve month program trying to learn to mix and master because I was interested in the technique. And while doing that I realized what I really liked was sounds and interesting yeah. sounds and also sounds that people might just glance over because but for me there was like something in there. And if you just like you said, if you put them on a pedestal and give them like a bigger audience, they they might be more important than people think. Yeah. And, um, totally. Yeah, and also that, that last sentence that I'd like to quote in full is, um, Las la Faria reminds me that anyone and anything can make a valuable contribution at any time, and that it's that's incredibly reassuring to me. Um, <laughs> so I hope this is reassuring to other people as well, because I feel like um, oftentimes, especially if you do something, like we just talked about, following an instinct or following not a preconceived idea, but looking where something goes, you might get in your mind the idea of yeah, not really contributing something interesting or not really doing something of value because that's not most of the time. That's not what we see. It's it, most of the time is like, it's a predefined job or it's a predefined skill. And yeah, this, this really interesting kind of following your feelings. Um, I think it should be, yeah, it should be very, very obvious to everyone, uh, hopefully in the future that that's, that's also, a very important contribution and a, a good skill to have to just following that, yeah, and um, yeah, and not losing confidence in yourself. So
1: yeah, absolutely, and keeping like the playfulness. Yes, that's something that I've thought about a lot. Like I've I've been to a thousand schools and went to the conservatory. I, I'm and I spent many years trying to be something that other people think was the right way to be a musician and a composer and i think what i always come back to and and when i do my job in the best possible way that's when i use um, methods that i used when i was when i was a kid and trying to be an inventor
0: hmm.
1: just just experimenting with stuff and not being afraid of something going wrong or making mistakes. I think we have a society that is very uh, fixed on results and that we deliver, Mm. which is important in some cases. But when doing creative stuff, then I feel that it's just super important to not be afraid of, Doing something that will possibly fail,
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: <laughs> because it takes you into directions that that are just interesting. Yeah, I remember doing a project with uh, two um, other composers where we were we had to make like one hundred compositions each in one month, and they they shouldn't be long. I mean, it could be five minute compositions or one second. <laughs> Okay so a lot of it was were just sounds, but we had to do it quite quickly, and what we did was that some of i mean some of those elements that we made would be really bad, but that was okay, yeah, so we made a system where we graded what we had made, so it was a scale from zero to five, so if we made something that was that we didn't like ourselves, we could just give them. We give it a zero or, or a one and it would indicate I made this. I think it was crap, but <laughs> but it's still, it can stay because we made a system where it they would transist in different ways and morph into each other. Mm. And maybe one of my elements that I thought was crap would be perfect with another composer's element that was also crap. So it was just an experiment and, and that really opened a lot of doors for me to do things in different ways which was interesting
0: yeah that's 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 very cool i mean um yeah To to summarize that all we can probably say you can't do anything wrong if no one knows what you're doing um yeah i really <laughs> like that I, I saw this as a meme at some point uh-huh, cool. like way back um and i found it funny then but just like a, sh- a short quick laugh but now um it's really become some somewhat of a model <laughs> yeah because yeah um, that helps a bit going over the anxiety of um, yeah as you say uh, of the pressure of not being able to deliver something or deliver yeah. something specific so um, and yeah also the the point you said uh, absolutely right like even if you think some something is shitty um, we also thought about that uh, or talked about that I I think either here on the podcast or in the talk I had with a friend of mine, that if you record something that's really, really bad, there will always be a use for it. Um, mm. We had the example of uh, recording a band that plays absolutely the worst version you can imagine of a song and it really botches the song and maybe even the PA system sounds bad. Yeah. But then you have a genuine recording of a bad performance and getting that if you need that is very hard because yeah, then you would have to find a band that's really really shitty and ask them to record them (laughs) so mm, yeah um everything you 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 may think it's 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 a yeah it's a bad recording or it's a bad performance you did um it can be used in some context in some way yeah um, or as a starting point for something else
1: yeah totally
0: yeah um staying a bit more on the album can you tell us a bit more about how you recorded the album have you done like any interesting recording techniques um i mean i know you you build your own instruments you have this mm. but um, especially on the side of recording d- did you use some special microphones for example or cheap ones or to get something
1: yeah i mean i i own two microphones and one of them is not even mine it's i just uh i'm just a, a borrowed f- for a lifetime
0: <laughs> it lives at your house now okay
1: yeah. I see. <laughs> um and it's a geophone mm, mm. that I was lucky enough to get, the, the unicorn microphone that's impossible to, to buy. But I, I, I managed to, to get that one a few years ago. And then I used, um, uh, it's called Alon. It's a Swedish uh, guy who makes microphones. And it has like a triangular membrane. Mm. membrane is you yeah. call it yeah and uh, it's it's really really nice uh, microphone it's and those two together just works I mean the geophone takes the lower register and the
0: mm.
1: and the airline takes up the um, really nicely in the higher register and then I come and then I just blend that together and that's been working for almost all of my recordings. In a long time, and then if I go out and record, depending on if it's outside or if it's uh, in a room, or, or, or then I have a handheld and add some mics to that. But the geophone is always with me.
0: Yeah, absolutely the same for me. I am um, lucky enough to also have one. <laughs> yeah, I've been a fan of the Lom audio phones for a long time, and. Um, I got it when it first came out and it was like the first batch and I found it interesting and yeah. uh, now now I see I'm lucky that I got it so early because oh, yeah. uh, people are lining up. Um, but also, the, this is also a tip I give everyone that asks me. Um, if you want some of those LOM audio phones, they have uh, a really nice uh, newsletter. Um, so if you subscribe yeah. to that, you get a, play, a date and time when something goes for sale. So you usually can snag one. Yeah, um, if you're fast enough. So if you're they're ready. really nice people. Um, I remember that I was, I think, I placed the wrong order or something, and I contacted them, and they made me an extra batch for for the UZ Pros, I think. Oh, nice! Um yeah. which was so awesome. Um, yeah. Yeah. Shout out to Lom Audio. awesome company, yeah. <laughs> awesome people. Definitely. Um, and what I what I also really like is their electromagnetic um, stuff. The the Presor. Um don't know how mm-hmm. it's spelled, but. Um, this one is also amazing for just if you're out and about and recording just the, the static in the air. Um, if you're near a power plant, for example, or big uh, big power lines, something like that. That's very interesting. Electric Horse also, I can really recommend recording those. Many different sounds there.
1: Yeah, cool.
0: Um, yeah, so going a bit um, further from from the album away to like a more general question would be, um, do you prefer more to work on like linear media, like music or dynamic stuff like video games or is it just, do you don't have any preference at all?
1: I mean, I've, I recently started working for, uh, IO Interactive. So mm. Interactive music is, um, is new for me in the sense of, uh, implementing and, and, uh, and stuff and it's super interesting. I'm I'm just uh, blown away every day of all the possibilities of that. So at the moment it's definitely interactive music um that I'm interested in. It's uh, it's just awesome. Uh, and I've been working mostly um on games anyway. So so I think at the moment that's what i'm tripping over
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah i can absolutely relate to that i mean especially the whole thing of of dynamic mixing or also like dynamic like you said dynamic music or sound yeah where you can really not tell 100 percent what it's going to sound like in game and for every player it will be a bit different because yeah it's it's a random chance in there and some like parameters that have to be um, considered while playing the sound, so um, that's also, for me, it's also like the, the thing that uh, really interests me, making some more organic things, or that feel more organic. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I saw that you were credited on on Control, and that's, I must say, one of my absolute favorite games, yeah. um, especially because of the sound and music. And I saw your role um, spelled as a sound artist, so yeah. Um, can you quickly maybe describe what exactly is the role of a sound artist?
1: Yeah, I think um, since 2015 or something, I've been working project based for game composer Martin Sti Andersen. Um, and what I've been doing for him is uh, what we ended up calling sound artist. And I think what that is, is that when you invent sounds that he then uses to compose with so most of the things i've been doing for martin has been with the instruments that i built and we've been recording them and tweaking them and and then he's uh,
0: worked with uh,
1: those recordings in his uh, composing
0: that sounds like a dream job (laughs) So, it is <laughs> yeah, can you maybe talk a bit more about your experience um working on control? Um, I would really like to uh, what what interests me is what what kind of prompts did you get and what were your responsibilities and how much freedom did you have to to make those tasks that you got?
1: yeah I mean, working f- with the Martin in general, you at least I got all the freedom I could get i mean he's he, he was relying on on uh, the, my intuitive approaches and was just curious to see what I would come up with. So that, that was just awesome, I mean and um, so the process was often that we would I would either record things at home in my studio, or we would meet up and do recording sessions with, uh, with the different uh, props and instruments.
0: Just what interests me is, did you have like some kind of prompt, like some kind of scene uh, in mind? Or did you get like the rough outline of the story and then just created a whole bunch of stuff? Um, <laughs> that would really interest me how how this like got created. Because in the end, I mean, it's... It's an amazing soundtrack and, and soundscape, mm. the whole game. Um, it feels like purposefully made for this experience. But also, I mean, if you know a little bit about sound, just like you said, um, you can hear that there must be a lot of experimenting there and a lot of just exploring because the story and this world is so so deep and so yeah, like strange and otherworldly.
1: Yeah, there's kind of a funny story with, with that game that I was... Uh, at the time that uh, Martin was working on that one, he had his studio in a place here in Copenhagen called Nohrhound where there's just a lot of construction work going on. Mm. And I went out there to uh, get the brief. And most often when I've been briefed, I haven't s- played the the game or seen the game. I've seen concept art. Mm. Um, and we've just talked about the essence of the game. And I remember that day we ended up talking a lot about constru- constructions and, and um, uh, what is it called? Like, um, beton, you know.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, concrete, yeah. Concrete, yes. We, we ended up talking a lot about concrete. And on my way home, I was uh, super inspired, and I ended up trespassing on one of the yeah. the <laughs> the construction uh, mm. uh, areas uh, because I I felt that I had to pick up some concrete just to take home and see what I could make of it. So that was that was kind of uh, me walking home from the brief with a big um, with a big piece of concrete in my backpack. <laughs> coming home and just discovering that there was actually no sound coming from that one but but, uh, but it was kind of funny i think that's mostly the way we've been working just just uh, talking about different ideas and and uh seeing some concept art but most of the games when i've worked on with him i haven't uh, I haven't had too much information about it, which is actually was actually quite nice, mm-hmm. because it then it doesn't uh, limit your ideas.
0: Yeah, just going back to the point you you said like in the beginning, like this opening up and just not really focusing on anything and in, in special, so yeah, but more like no, yeah, more like a rough idea, a feeling or. Yeah, some direction to go and that's that's awesome. Yeah. And I think it's also good if you have if you're getting on a project in the stages of concept art and I mean for, for most games, um what I hear from other developers as well is that for ninety percent of the time you have like something that doesn't really work. And then there's this magic moment that at one point like the build works and it's it's just a game. Yeah. It feels like a game. Um, but it's a really hard track for years to get to that point because yeah. um especially for new developers i heard it's it's really really disheartening because you you make something and you just have this broken techie thing that isn't isn't a game at all and everyone has like to believe that at some point this will be a game so um yeah but but if you come if you come to a project very late and you have like an almost finished game and just yeah should make like sound for for stuff and everything is already set in stone then it's I think it's also a bit limiting mm. um, for the sound artist, and I think um, I also talked about this with with Mark Mangini, who did the sound on Dune. That um, it's really important to get the audio people involved very early on to also have this open, um, yeah, this this open field to play with, and then you can inform each other. Because I always feel if you work with other departments and other arts, that it's always cool that you you have some concept artist inspires you then you make some sound or music that inspires someone else to do something and so it's more of a collaborative effort and not 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 nothing like um, just blowing through tasks um, at mm. the
1: end yeah absolutely i i love doing design to concept art it's it's really nice
0: absolutely yeah um also great if you then can can talk to people that animate stuff because um, yeah. I, I feel like especially this is, is very hard for me if I have something where the animation is finished, the timing is finished, and I have to make sounds for it. And I would have an idea, but it would like take a longer amount of time or a shorter amount of time. Um, and yeah, but everything is already set in stone, so you can't like really change anything anymore. Mm. Yeah, maybe on, on your long experience on, on working on different projects, do you have... Um, any favorite projects to work um, and why was it your favorite project?
1: I think I'd have to think about that because they're, they're all kind of been super interesting.
0: It's also a fair, fair answer. <laughs> it's fine. Sorry? <laughs> it's also a fair answer to say um, every project was interesting in its own way. So yeah. feel free to just pick something um, and we, we don't have to rate them.
1: <laughs> I think uh, game-related... Game what I I really liked um, working on uh, Back for Blood, mm. just because it was so. Just to be clear, then when I've worked on Back for Blood, I I I've I've worked uh, as an assistant for Martin. I haven't I haven't worked with the with the game developers as such. Mm-hmm. Just um, just so to be clear with that, but. Um, but we had a lot of fun working on that game because it was so, um, like we would meet up. I remember, uh, I got a call one day, like, uh, can you, can you, uh, do you want to come up? There was a scout scout, uh, like, um, when you're a scout, then they have this small house.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, yeah. And and uh, and he called and said, "Can you can you come up here because we we um, we are doing a recording session and and if you could play the guitar into an oven, that that would be cool." Very specific. <laughs> I was like, "Yeah, I'll, I'll be there in five minutes." Mm-hmm. And so we made a lot of like weird ex- experiments with playing. I have this old crappy guitar, and we, we I put a long spring on it. Uh, for the for natural reverb and then we placed transducers on baking plates in the oven and recorded stuff in the oven and threw (laughs) an acoustic guitar and it was it was me and martin and another sound designer called uh, daniel who made that session during covid and i mean it was just you've been in isolation for so long and then and then to meet up and just do crazy stuff in a day that was that was really nice
0: that's awesome yeah
1: so I liked I liked working on that one because it was so open and crazy
0: (laughs) yeah that sounds like an awesome idea I mean if I would get that call I would also be there like in a few minutes because that's like oh amazing yeah I want to hear about how that sounds and how I can make it sound even weirder yeah that's very cool um yeah also then what I also wanted to ask, because looking through your your resume and all your your things you're working on, you're not only working on uh, as a sound artist on games. You're also like released your own album, but you additionally are working in two bands. Um, yeah. So how do you balance all this work in your life?
1: Uh, good question. At the moment, I have a period where I do not play in the bands, um, just mm-hmm. because it's. It's too much, so so at, at the moment I'm not um, doing that but yeah I I've uh, I feel I've done a lot of different things and um, I sometimes also feel that my path and my education has been kind of a detour mm-hmm. and I sometimes wish that I'd had known about game audio for instance earlier uh, so that I could have had a more direct path I guess but um, recently a friend and colleague said to me that uh, working with game audio is kind of something you prepare for your whole life (laughs) all the all the weird detours you go—that's that's preparing for this uh, for this uh, job, I think. And that made me feel a little better. It made me feel like my whole detour has been the best education I could I could have got uh, I could have had um, to manage this job. So. That didn't answer the question. Actually, it was just no. It's fine. I, I mean, <laughs> what popped up in my mind?
0: I feel like the, the answer is you, you're just doing a lot of stuff, but you're not doing all of it all of the time. So yeah, <laughs> yeah.
1: exactly. I, I, I try to dose dose it. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. That's always that's always interesting. If you if you read a resume of someone and you're like, oh, what? It's like two bands and and uh, yeah. a record, <laughs> and then like working on games and so many games I really like and there's like big jobs probably and yeah so it's it's interesting to see that and it can can make people feel like maybe disheartened or like you said like they're not not on the straight path or something like that but uh, I have to agree with you absolutely like this this preparation or or like your unique path makes you and your sounds unique and um, that's that's I I feel that's also what the really creative people value in other people mm. because we don't want other people around us that had the same path and the same education we want like a lot of variety and a lot of different ideas and different approaches to things so um yeah just looking at your instruments um i also got ideas on my own um just looking through the photos so yeah um it instantly gets me inspired and uh, i think i think that's important to know um in life in general that there's no set path that's like something we we've probably learned for a long time but if you if you look also in history that's there's a lot of people that started very very far into their lives with something very great yeah and um yeah it's it's always like a fluent thing it's not a path and if you haven't been on there then then this path is closed forever you can do anything yeah at any at any point
1: yeah that's really true I mean, it's just two years ago. I asked myself, "Geez, I don't know what I'm going to be when I when I become an adult," and, and I'm 47. So, so it's kind of, a, I mean, I was stressed about that as well because it's pretty late to come in as a as a sound designer in games when you're past 40. But it's also been a a great kind of age to. Do a career path because you, you kind of easeen up about being mm, worried about what other people think. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm, yeah.
1: Which is a, just a nice, it's just easier to go forward when, when it's not so serious. And that that helped me a lot. Like trying to come in to this to this industry, just uh, just like a simple thing as not being afraid of asking questions, mm. because that's a really good good way of learning to ask questions and get answers. I I realized that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think the the audit community and in general, um, at least my experience and all the people I talked to so far um, is really open and like non-judgmental it's... about those things, I feel, yeah. because it's just, we all have this weird passion for sound. And if you go into then the niche of the niche, like for example, like the Foley and Field Recording, then mm. you have an even like smaller amount of people. Um, that are interested but they are very passionate and it doesn't matter if you're very young or very old or yeah. what your background is because it's all just we all know we don't know what we're doing we're just experimenting and yeah uh, and I think yeah I'm also I'm I'm turning 40 next year so I'm um, also in that ballpark but um, yeah I think the thing to remember is that you, know, you just yeah don't grow up that's probably the thing you have to do yeah because if you say what will i be when i grow up um, at some point in life you probably find out that you never really grow up you're just constantly growing and yeah, that
1: yeah exactly so. and just keep 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 uh, using those methods that kids are so great at like absolutely yeah yeah so i'm i'm going to stick to to that kind of yeah but it's it's true like the 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 audio um the the audio communities has just been amazing the amount of help that I've gotten and when I've reached out to people I've I've always just experienced uh, people getting back to me and being super helpful and nice and sharing knowledge uh, and that's just been absolutely amazing I, I I haven't seen that in the same way in the music industry there are a lot more elbows going on there so I also really felt making this transition that I that I have found people that has the same spark in their eyes, you know, <laughs> yeah. and, and which is which is, uh, has just been great. Absolutely. Mm.
0: Oh yeah. So uh, <laughs> we've been talking for almost an hour now. So yeah. um, at this point, I don't think I have any more questions, but I really enjoyed our talk. But um, yeah, I just wanted to ask you for the end. Do you have any shoutouts? Any any project you want to share with us or anything upcoming?
1: Yeah, I mean, I would love to share everything that that I'm that I'm working on at the moment, but I'm not allowed to. So <laughs> I get that so, answer a lot. Yeah,
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> and uh, but I'm but I'm really looking forward to being able to share that. Um, it's it's uh, it's the The 007 project.
0: Yeah. I'm also excited about that one. So (laughs) I'll be eagerly waiting for some news about that one as well. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Thank you again for your time. It was lovely to talk to you and uh, yeah, have a nice rest of your day.
1: You too. Thank you.
0: Looking for more audio-related podcasts to listen to? We're part of the Audio Podcast Alliance, featuring a hand-picked selection of the very best podcasts about sound. Be sure to hear the latest episodes from our friends in the community at audiopodcast.org. And if you've enjoyed this episode, please consider supporting on patreon.com slash fieldandfoley or ko field slash fieldandfoley, where you gain early access to episodes in lossless format and can submit questions for our guests. Thank you for listening.